The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Big news. Seth Pert now is joining Dunkdown Prime. If you want to subscribe to get all of Seth's content, you can do so at dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. We've got a great episode coming up for you with Nate and John Hollinger. Their normal, excellent, in-depth discussion, the type of stuff that you can get at Dunkdown Prime. There's a, some free episodes like this, but you want every episode, you got to subscribe. And now that package will be even more content for you with Seth Part now. If you stick around till the end of this discussion with Nate and John, uh, there's another discussion with Nate and Seth talking about what Seth is going to do, and of course, some basketball talk. So ho- hope you enjoy all of that. We hope you subscribe. That's dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. We have huge news for those of you listening on the free pod. Another reason to subscribe to Dunked on Prime, including getting every Hollinger and Duncan episode. Seth Partnow, former director of analytics for the Milwaukee Bucks, is joining Dunked on Prime. He's going to be providing exclusive statistical support for Danny's and my podcasts. And also writing for us in the newsletter, which is part of Dunked on Prime twice a week. And I'm sure he'll make the occasional podcasting appearance as well. But really excited to add Seth in. It's just another way that we're giving you something that you can't get anywhere else here at Dunked on Prime. Seth is going to join us at the end of this episode to talk about what he's going to be doing and hopefully whet your appetite and get you to sign up at the link in the show notes. We're doing a special sale for a yearly membership as well, or just try it out for a month and see whether you like it. We hope you'll give it a shot. All right, John, it is that time of year again. The time of year when we need some content and therefore decide to do organization rankings. (laughs) There's really nothing special about it. I I was thinking about it as I went back and looked at last year's rankings of how much has changed since Uh then for a lot of these organizations. And I was like, why do we do it at the time? Like, oh, right, because it's November and this is just a a good time to do this because there's the trade deadline and there's all this other stuff. So this is the time if we're we're going to do this that it needs to fit in. Exactly. So, but it is, I mean, there's nothing special about this time. I mean, I I think the only key is just to not overreact too much to what's happened the first 15 games of the year. Yeah, it's actually a good time to do this because the wheel on the transactions has basically stopped spinning for a while. So hmm. we can, uh, you know, you don't have that fog of war that you have in, say, early July, where there's stuff that's so fresh and you're still trying to evaluate what happened. Yeah, this is a great time to do this. Good point. It was totally intentional that we decided to <laughs> to choose this time. Plus, we're still miles away from the trade deadline, and most of these teams don't really have enough sample size for us to, you know, completely pass judgment on where they are. And the entire Western Conference is ten and six. <laughs> 
All right, John, how are we doing this? How are we ranking these organizations? Uh, so this is top to bottom. We're doing this. So it's not just front office and it's not just transactions, right? It's ownership. It's coaching. It's player development. No, it's not. Co- it's not coaching. It's not coaching. Like I said, it is ownership. Because that's what that's what our coach rankings are for. Okay. It is ownership, front office. Uh... Basically, just like medical staff. Yeah, uh, everything so you get in into that, and that that's so coaching. that's I mean, like there are elements where it sort of bleeds into the coaching staff, maybe a little bit, but right, right, yeah, I, I think, but you know, for example, the the Suns are the typical example of this, right? Like Monty Williams, pretty high in our coach ranking. Suns, I won't spoil, not going to be in my top tier, shall we say, of organization. I like the the way I like to think about it is. If I were a fan of a random team, which organization from the owner on down would I want running my team? So it's not only a what organization would I want running the LA Clippers who have gobs and gobs of money and can work within that environment. If these people were in a different environment, like in say Utah or something like that, or a smaller market or a San Antonio, would they be able to still do well under those circumstances also? So you're trying to divorce the organization from their circumstances as much as you can. Although obviously part of that is just ownership willingness to pay. And so uh, that goes into it as well. But if you're going from below the owner, that's what you're ranking on the owner the biggest thing is don't meddle and be willing to pit spend money are kind of the two the two biggest things that you can sure anything else that we can kind of talk about here that we're going to use to evaluate as the track records of these teams i think you want to look at the process and the intent as much as the result on some of these and not maybe over reward uh i don't know if lucking into is the right word but uh, you could, I mean, especially, I guess, having worked in the league, you can kind of tell when a team overpaid or wasn't really, really being sharp about a situation. And a lot of times it's weird on the team side. You notice that more with low level deals than you do with the, the big mm. stuff that makes the front page news. Uh, you know, when you see, when you see a bit player go for two second round picks and everyone just shugs their shoulders and you're in the league and you're like, what, what the hell are those people doing? Um, so you get little examples and tidbits like that. Or just in how they manage their cap and uh, how they use some of their exceptions, some of their left leftover room, if they have any, uh, how they manage around the tax. A lot of times, like those aren't necessarily the most consequential moves, but they are tells into how well run the rest of the operation is. A big one that I'll be focusing on, perhaps even more than usual, is just overall organizational vision. Creating a plan, sticking to a plan, making the hard decisions, right? So we've seen a number of teams, San Antonio trading guys away, Utah trading guys away. That's going to be short-term pain there. Oklahoma City did that a couple of years ago. Then there are some other teams where, okay, what is your overall plan here exactly in terms of just the success cycle, self-evaluation? How good can this team be? What is your just your goal as an organization? Are we just trying to make the playoffs? Are we trying to be profitable? Are we trying to just not get criticized too much? Or are you really trying to build a consistent winner, a consistent 50-win team, a team that can compete for championships, even win championships? That's a big part of this to, to me as well. Yeah, I mean that's what it's that's what it's all about. I mean, all right. So I think some of these teams that are just kind of hoping to get the eight seed every year, and that's like the extent of their vision. I think they're going to end up ranking very low in this. <laughs> yeah, say. and then there's also a little bit more micro of just how are the pieces 
that you are acquiring fitting together? How does that fit into an overall vision for a team, how we want to play? And also hiring a coach is another important aspect of this. Hiring a staff, that's that's huge. Um, trades, of course, we'll, we'll go into it if they've just made some bad trades that didn't make any sense. This is a big one though, John. And again, this bleeds into coaching a little bit, but you've had a ton of experience with this player development. That's massive. Yeah, and some of it comes down to organ organizational priorities in terms of you know do they make it easy for the for the team to succeed have they invested in a g league team uh which a couple teams still haven't um have have they put the resources in place to allow the coaching staff to develop these players yeah and then you've got of course the draft record as well um that's it's not just oh we took hey you got a, a pretty good guy with the number one pick it's did you identify players maybe that weren't as high on other people's radar screen did you make a trade to go get someone who turned out to be good did you make a trade to go get someone that turned out to be bad that's a question mark and then of course we said it before but the willingness to spend both on the overall organization but perhaps even more so into the tax when you have a good team um I had a lot of trouble this year, John. Overall, I think as I looked at last year compared to this year, some organizations that we thought were good have had some real missteps. Some that we yes. thought were bad have made some big moves. Some of those moves have looked good. Some of them haven't looked good. So I think we're going to see a lot of change this year. I don't know about you. I was surprised when I made my list. A, a it was hard at both the top and the bottom. I felt like some of the worst teams got better and some of the best teams got worse uh compa- comparing to the you know how we ranked them a year ago and then there's there's a big like western conference vibe where like there's a lot i feel like there's a lot of kind of pleasantly above average rating uh teams here that that were hard for me to separate so we'll we'll see if you agree with me on some of these yeah and i would say even there's some movement at the bottom as well we've seen new ownership in some of these teams at the bottom we've seen some big changes in some of these teams at the bottom so that that's something to keep in mind also and just generally there aren't it doesn't look like there are many dominant teams this year that kind of goes into this a little bit you don't want to overreact as noted to what's happened so far this season but we could try Try to project going forward. That's kind of what we thought it would be before the season as well. Other than Boston, nobody is really distinguishing themselves a ton so far this year. And so if everything is kind of jumbled together, it's hard to identify those uh, at the very top. But we must come up with one of them here. So John, tier one, we try to put these in tiers. Obviously, this is largely subjective. So Yes. Your number one could be my number four or whatever, but we try to delineate them at least some with tiers. So give me your number one tier one organization. Yeah. So I kind of had a tier one A and a tier one B. And at the top okay. of tier one A, I went with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I just feel like they have the best track record of just being consistently solid, making one good decision after another, consistently having really good teams, push their chips in on Kawhi when the moment was right, had the balls to to jump in and hire Nick Nurse when that moment was right, had been willing to spend money, pay the tax. They invest a ton of money in player development and analytics. Uh, I think they're you know, clearly one of the most respected organizations in the league. So I 
there there were three or four teams that I think you could have gone with here. I I went with Toronto. Yeah, Toronto was in my top group as well, and I don't really have a huge argument of why it hasn't been Toronto. Simply maybe that they the last three years they've got a tanking season, which actually was probably a feather in their cap to decide to do that, and then they got mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes, and they've got the Barnes pick was first was brilliant because the consensus was that they should take Suggs, right? Yes, it, it was. And uh, you know, we won't note that Jalen Suggs actually has a higher true shooting percentage than Scotty Barnes right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I would prefer to have, have Scotty Barnes. So yeah, Toronto's got to be right up there for me. It just it doesn't seem like they're necessarily on the path to having the absolute highest level of team, but they always find guys on the margins. Their development, you mentioned just OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet. I mean, these are high-level starters, all-stars that they got with the 23rd pick, the 28th pick, and totally undrafted. And yeah. that and, and they still seem like they're able to develop new players of that ilk as well. They come and get guys like a Chris Boucher, who is essentially undrafted, not someone yeah. that anyone was interested in. Like they, I think they got him on a two way after the Warriors cut him, and he's yep. going off a torn ACL. So uh, they made the Powell trade to get Trent, which I, I think has worked out well. So they're 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 definitely right up there. I went with Miami as my number one. Still, I mean, they, they okay. again made the East Finals a year ago. They don't do things necessarily traditionally, but they always develop players. When you look at what they got out of Max Struess, Gabe Vincent last year, that's been pretty incredible. Developing two number fourteen picks, Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, into high level of players. They're able to make good moves in free agency as well. Like they're not a perfect organization, and they're not for everyone but they're able to find the players that work for them and develop them into really really good players so i had them at number one but i you i can't tell you why they're better or worse than toronto maybe just the recent success i had the conference finals so i had miami at number three um part of the reason i mean i think when we do our coach rankings eric spolcher will definitely rank really really highly so i had to kind of carve that part out a little bit but they also you know i mean this is the same organization that promoted him back in 2008 yeah stuck with him during the big three era when he was under a lot of fire stuck with him through a couple of losing seasons and now he's an incredibly long tenure coach it's the second longest uh tenured head coach behind pop is that right Uh, i believe that's correct and probably like that's a guy that they developed you know he was not someone that everyone was like oh this guy yeah and the other thing you get into like yeah with Miami and with Toronto is that there's a real track record here now. Like we're looking at right. a Big decade time. Big or time. multiple decades in Miami's case of of doing this right and doing it successfully. And I think the Heat have gotten better at some things that got them in trouble in the past. Um, sure. Especially from the player maintenance side, even though they talk a good game about toughing out through injuries and stuff, I think they've been a lot smarter about not running guys into the ground, which was their previous reputation. Uh, so points for that uh it is interesting how they're set up now i mean they've uh kind of gone gone way in on some of these contracts when you look at the hero deal the duncan robinson deal uh things get really interesting next year especially so uh it's gonna gonna get interesting i think how they deal with that you you know what there's money keeps increasing yeah i i think i should put toronto above them because toronto 
doesn't give out bad contracts, and Miami does sometimes. And the one thing we, Toronto we've, does, we've they give it. They give out player options like the Halloween candy, but they don't. Yeah, they they, they don't but, go over on on the number though. Right, and I think maybe there's that's a good idea. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you say, hey, if if we're stuck between having to do a player option or paying a guy way too much on too risky of a contract, you know, maybe we're better off doing the player option. We just trust that we're going to work it out with them. We'll see. You know, it's just OG Ananobi yeah. and Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. We'll see whether that comes on roost. That's a new tactic they've done in the last few years, but uh, they've also, I mean, I can't remember the last time they gave out a bad contract. Like It hasn't been in the last five years. Damari Carroll would be the would be the one, but that was that was several years ago now. Yeah, that was 2015. So and he had moments where he was okay for them. He just his health fell apart in the end, which maybe could have been anticipated. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets. From there as well, I felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John and Benedict use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War One battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media, Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash PER. 
who else you got in this group here? So, I, so I, you convinced me. I'm moving Toronto up uh, above Miami. Can I just take a moment here? So last week we did a show on our worst predictions, right? Our mulligans. <laughs> I, th- I think we need to carry over one thing I said last year in, in, from our mulligans episode into this one. Okay. Uh, didn't I have Brooklyn number one last year when we did this? I don't know if you had them number one. I think you might have had them in your top group. I'm, I'm pretty sure and, I had them number one. A- anyway. Yeah. Uh, Let me see what I had them. I had Brooklyn last year. Now, why would I close that sheet? That was dumb. I had them in my second tier, Okay. Right at the top of my second tier. Yeah, okay. I, I had Toronto and Miami in my top tier. And Okay. So I think I definitely I had four had... in my top tier this year. Okay. I think I definitely had Brooklyn in my top tier. And all I can say to that is woof. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Uh, that's not going to yeah. be in my I, I mean, well, let's sure. remember where we were last year. They actually, we thought they had handled the Kyrie thing well. Yep. By sending him away with the vaccine. Then they brought him back. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we still thought like if the vaccine thing got worked out that they were potentially a championship favorite. And then just the yeah. massive amount of embarrassment that's happened since then. And, you know, certainly you have to lower them quite a bit uh, as a result of that. We'll, we'll see uh, how precipitous the fall really is yes because uh, they did obviously some great things before that yes but yes. but that that may be a, we could be we'll see uh that could be even in episode two of our organization rankings, <laughs> exactly where we really discussed exactly. that we'll, we'll see are where they we an episode up. one team or an episode two team let's see <laughs> well last year i think we had actually three episodes so that oh okay I, there's there's another yeah. wrinkle well we just got to see all in this takes us um okay give me another tier one team right now though uh the team i had at number two was the los angeles clippers um, I think they are really well coached. I think they are really shrewd about how they trade and how they build out the rest of their roster. Uh, obviously, willingness to spend from ownership and the commitment from ownership is a big part, uh, but also doing a pretty good job on player development. If you look at some of these guys, Amir Coffey, Brandon Boston that they brought along. Uh, so just a, just a well-run organization from top to bottom. And I I don't know. I don't I don't see a lot of holes here. You can argue they were a little too overzealous with a couple of the contracts they gave out. But again, with the with the freedom they have to spend, they didn't really need to hold back. Right. Uh, So I, I, I just think that, you know, we'll see what happens with it comes down to Paul George and Kawhi being healthy. And we just don't know how that's going to play out for them. The biggest criticism you could probably say is they never got that third guy. But I I just think they're really well run from top to bottom. Yeah, certainly coming into the season, you felt like this was a team that didn't really have many, if any, holes. And when you can write a blank check every time, that's easier. But you still have to use the system like they did in that Portland trade to fill those holes with good players. I think they have a style and a way that they want to play. And certainly the Ty Lu isn't part of these rankings, but hiring him is making the tough decision to move on from Doc Rivers to get Ty Lu. That clearly to me was a, an upgrade. Maybe some people wouldn't have thought that at the time. And you know they're willing to spend on basically every aspect of the organization. Organization and 
they've proven again. This this is the one team that literally will fucking pay anything, it seems like, right? Like, even Golden State, like, they're willing to pay a lot, but they're not willing to pay more than they have to or should be. And th- same thing with Brooklyn, unless it's not stretching Javon Carter. So... <laughs> was, was that the most ridiculous thing? Like, I, I don't know, like, nobody who's actually into the stuff on the court cares, but, like, that was a, that was a really expensive turd of a decision right well particularly particularly when Kyrie will probably just be gone they're gonna have a whole new team next year, <laughs> yeah so they'll be under the tax line next year when they they could have had 1.3 a carter salary in there anyway um, uh, yeah but but yeah so the the clippers are really the only one where it's like hey will this improve our team yes okay we'll fucking pay it you know yeah, there's yeah there's still a component you know, like for example brooklyn not bringing back bruce brown who was another one that that shows up there uh, golden state not bringing back gary payton and maybe Otto porter to a certain extent although they didn't yeah. really have the means to pay porter but so that those are all things that i think make the clippers up at the top the one thing that gives me some pause is just maybe there and the dangers of this have been laid bare on the opposite coast with brooklyn of are they just giving Kawhi too long of a leash to just yep. do whatever the fuck he wants yeah 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 i would i would i would say that is starting to rear its head a little more uh, i mean he definitely does his own thing as far as all the medical stuff and you know i mean he's a he's a great player you obviously you hopefully will get the best out of him when it matters and and be able to live with this nuisance in the meantime uh but it definitely feels like it's a it detracts uh from them and and you don't you wonder a little bit what impact it has in the locker room too when he's just kind of off on his own island yeah it seemed like that might have been an issue in the the 1920 season to yeah, some totally. degree yeah but it seems like they at least push back on him a little bit with this i'm going to start games six minutes into the second quarter thing because that just screwed up the rotation so much and they're they're doing that a little bit differently now so it doesn't seem to have manifested anywhere near to the level that it has in brooklyn yeah so yeah. I, I had the clippers in there as well i have them at number four though and okay. making a big jump this season the okay. boston celtics okay i had boston as the top team in tier 1b uh i had them Ooh. fourth yeah for me boston the hiring of Ime Udoka worked really well quite frankly i think they handled the suspension and probable firing of Ime Udoka about as well as possibly could have been handled i agree with that also it, compared to how some of these other situations have been handled at, at times around the league uh, they have developed guys pretty darn well they have a good infrastructure in place in the front office it, brad stevens was my executive of the year last year it, everything he's been touching basically has turned to gold uh, he's even uh, turned uh, Luke Cornett uh, into a, a good player with the, the Midas touch. And so Sam Hauser is another guy. So they, they've had guys out and they've actually had pretty good depth. They've drafted pretty well the last few years. Um, you know, part of that was Danny Ainge. He's Those gone are, now, yeah. but they're, they've definitely have, they have a way that they want to play. They've, uh, they had enough kind of organizational depth to just go with Joe Missoula and he's doing a nice job so far, it seems like. And so, yeah, I think, uh, there's really very little to nitpick here for the Celtics. Did you find anything? Uh, you know, ownership's willing to spend has not been on the level of, say, no. Toronto or the Clippers in the past. Now, they're yeah. well into the tax this year, so we'll see We'll see where they end up at year end. Uh, yeah, but I, I, don't see, I don't see them going much above, like, 
you know, 15 million over, right? So like they're willing to spend, but they're not willing to go into that like pretty crazy level. Yeah, they're not willing uh, to go to crazy town, right? And yeah, although maybe, maybe are they in crazy town this year? They're getting am close I to crazy that? town right now. They're like 25 million over. Okay, uh, well, I take, the, I take that back then. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten that they got They actually this, filled their 15th roster spot with, with Justin Jackson, um, yeah. even though, uh, even despite the tax hit. So definitely more of a willingness to spend this year than we've seen from them in some previous previous years uh which is which is a good sign right uh, like bringing the brogdon trade they took on money there they yep gave out the mini mid-level to gallo and he's not gonna play for them this year but that still was a, a commitment to spend that was you know they're paying 20 million bucks in tax or whatever uh, for him so yeah i think you, you can probably actually they've spent every possible avenue that they could have spent this season i would say now that they actually made it to the finals you know i think in previous years they weren't quite as aggressive yes and i mean there's they're still in position to do stuff actually i mean they can still they can still do a trade with with pritchard they could still trade a future first this year uh and you know you suspect maybe at some point they will uh in order in order to get one more rotation caliber player uh, now, definitely part of how they look good is because Danny Ainge just completely boned Brooklyn in that trade uh, with Pearson Garnett and got Tatum and Brown yeah. out of it. Yeah. At the same time, I mean, they, they've made enough good moves in the two years that Stevens has been there that I, I, I think you have to give them credit for just being still a really well-run team. And then there's, other than Stevens, I mean, there's a lot of continuity within that organization. Absolutely. Uh, if, you, if you go down... Go down the org chart. So like Ainge is gone, but usually when there's a GM change like that, a bunch of other people move in and out too. And that didn't really happen in Boston. Like it's it's pretty much the same people. Yeah, if anything, you'd have to say that Stevens has been an improvement uh, on Danny Ainge. If you look at some of these moves, the Horford for Kemba trade was fantastic, particularly given yeah. what's happened to Kemba since then. Yes. That he's basically he's now out of the league a year yeah. after that. The yep. Rob Williams extension was brilliant in yep. the end. The trade for Derek White was pretty good. Even the Tice trade, which it seemed like crazy to make that deal at the time because he seems to overpay. He was playing so poorly in Houston. They actually ended up needing him. Like he was a, a player who contributed for them at backup center in the playoffs. And then they were able to move him as part of the Brogdon trade. No, no must, no fuss there, even though he wasn't yeah. on a great contract. And yep. Brogdon's looking good for them as well. So really, it's hard to come up with any personnel foibles. You know, maybe they, a more established backup center would have been nice this year, but I think Cornette's been good enough for a third center. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think I would have signed Blake Griffin. Maybe they could have signed someone else instead, but yeah, uh, you know, they, they uh, found Hauser out of the ether. Yeah. Plus, I mean, Brogdon and Hauser, I mean, can you imagine the, the level of discussions in that locker room, the intellect and the scholarship that is happening when you have two UVA guys in one locker room? All right. Who else is in your tier one? Yeah. <laughs> You didn't want to elaborate on yeah, this point? That, no, that's yeah. Uh, all you got to do is, is start doing your your UVA tropes, and that's a great way to get me to move on to the next topic. So anytime, <laughs> anytime you're done talking, you want to transition, just bring that up, and you can trust that I'll I'll bring up our next topic. And he he only does that because he can't end the podcast at that point, <laughs> which is the thing he really wants to do. Uh, so at number five, uh, shorter track record than these other organizations uh but i went with the memphis grizzlies yeah you're actually this is your first year ranking the grizzlies i guess we feel like enough time has passed now and 
I had them in this group as well. I, I had them at number nine. I my concern about them, we'll see on the spending. And there's talk that Robert Pira has really improved his fortune recently, yeah. and that he would be willing to spend big. I think they certainly have drafted well. They're rare has been the draft pick in the zach Kleiman era that hasn't at least become a rotation guy and i think they have a good culture there they made a great coach hire in taylor jenkins who re- always gets these guys to overperform they play incredibly hard a couple of concerns that i have yeah you know what they're doing a nice job they, they've got a nice team but is there really enough of a track record is that have we seen what this team really looks like as a contender what this front office looks like when okay it's this is a great story you got all these young guys you got john moran on, on a rookie contract that's all great you, you won 56 games last year lost in the second round now what though like are you a real team are you really gonna be an elite organization are you gonna act like a contender and seize this moment or are you gonna do the okc circa 2012 plan not that they're gonna trade away james Harden, but the, ah we got plenty of time these guys are young whatever yeah. and then oh wait because they never yeah. actually made it so back to the that 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 was uh, that's what held me back in rating them higher because i mean i thought the melton trade was a perfect example of that where where they kind of pushed back from from going in coming off a 56 win season and that they didn't make any other moves to push in either like we still haven't we still haven't seen and this is where you get to the short track record we still haven't seen kind of that that moment of truth where where they had to make some really difficult they haven't had to make any hard decisions yeah Yeah. exactly about who to pay and going into the tax and whatnot and we're just starting to get into that now it's going to be interesting a little interesting this coming off season i think with with you know do they decide to pay dylan brooks and what do they do with him uh do they decide to put some of these picks they have in play and upgrade some areas uh desmond bain is should be get up for a big extension what does that do with them you know in future luxury tax uh scenarios so that the hard decisions are coming yeah they've done a lot of good things as i mentioned and they've done everything right so far but we're talking about from the summer of 2019 till now they got the coach they got the complimentary pieces by drafting extremely well. Ja fell into their laps. I don't give them really much credit for drafting him because that's who I think everyone would have taken there at number two. Where would they be if they didn't have him as a star? Well, you know, Desmond Bain's still pretty good. And uh, Jaron Jackson, you know, they don't get any credit for that. That was some previous regime. Uh, who the hell so drafted? You can't, yeah. Can't give them that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I just, there wasn't enough there for me. Like, I think they're certainly an up and coming organization. I believe in them a lot more than some of these other organizations but i couldn't go quite that high i had them at number nine okay okay who did, now who did you go with at number five yeah so that i my tier one ended with toronto miami boston and the clippers okay this next group i haven't fully fleshed out the order yet the golden state warriors have to be in there though at this point in time I mean, they just won the championship again they put together a great team last year they hit out every role player signing out of the park and I think their brand is a little damaged right now because this two timeline thing is going poorly. Actually, you wanted to talk about that a little bit last week. Maybe this yeah. is a good time for it of why you think that that's really just going to be so difficult for them. Yeah, I thought it was completely unrealistic once it became apparent that 
James Wiseman wasn't going to be good enough to be the best player on a good team, right? Because that, because otherwise, like your your timeline is what you still got to get. You still got to get your star player from someplace, and so to do that, you're either splurging in free agency or tanking or whatever. You're unless he's your Kawhi Leonard, you're you're not going to be able to carry it forward post Steph without taking a dip down. So I I, I thought from that sense. It wasn't unrealistic on the day Wiseman was drafted, but at some point between then and today, it became highly unrealistic, right? And, you know, say the same thing with Kaminga a little bit. Like, whatever he's going to be, I, I think, you know, we can, we can take some of, the, some of the highest level scenarios, start taking them off the table, right? So w- once, once that happens, I think the two timelines kind of goes out the window and you're back to one timeline. Well, so what what do you think of two timelines? Is like these guys are going to be our our core of another fifty win team after Steph leaves. That's kind of your thought of what that was. Yeah, and I think I think that's a great idea if you could pull it off. I mean, that's amazing. The most successful organizations in the league have been able to do that. You know, Indiana in the beginning part of this decade re- rebuilt an entire team around uh, Reggie Miller. Uh, San Antonio did it, uh, transitioning from you know. Duncan and Robinson to you know Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker. Um, we we've we've seen it happen, but it's it's rare and it basically requires knocking a, a draft pick somewhere in there out of the park. And I think I think they were hoping Wiseman would be that guy, and uh, he isn't. Yeah, instead of knocking it out of the park, it's just a really really high pop up. Like it it hasn't come down yet, so you can't be sure where it's going to end up, but. Got a pretty fair idea it's gonna get caught for an out <laughs> at this point. I think it's I think you're being very generous to say they made contact. <laughs> well, no, I mean if they hadn't made contact, maybe they get a few more pitches. You only have one chance at that number two pick. And so yeah, I think there was I'm not as harsh on it for a couple of reasons. Like, yeah, I think even after last year, and then particularly this summer league, you know, I wasn't a believer that any of these guys was a future superstar. But Kamingo was actually reasonably decent last year. Like he contributed in the rotation at times. I think it might have been reasonable to think, hey, James Wiseman will run pick and roll with Jordan Poole on the second unit and you know he can dunk everything inside and get some rebounds and hopefully be athletic enough to defend around the rim. And Moses Moody, you know, perfect archetype of a three and D guard. So hey, like if we move on from Otto Porter and Gary Payton the second, we wanted him back, but the price was too rich. That third year player option from Portland, like we drafted these guys high, we can at least count on them in a low end rotation role. And they've all just been so much worse than expected that they haven't even been able to do that. That's it's hard for me to criticize them to at least set their team up so that these guys were going to play some. And I think there was enough for a reasonable belief that these guys could contribute in the rotation, at least in the regular season. Yeah. And yeah. so it's just like, and these guys have all, I wouldn't say Wiseman necessarily, but Moody and Kaminga have really regressed this year, which I don't think it was reasonable to see coming and maybe it won't continue. And there definitely is a lot that comes with being a young player in the Warriors. I mean, the other thing, the other big problem they have is Jordan Poole sucks all of a sudden now too. Yeah, which, which is nobody I mean, saw coming. That that which he's been the best uh, pick of this 
uh, more recent era, right? And yeah, you know, now they have the big the big contract coming for him, so that becomes a little bit of a concern. Right, and maybe there was a thought. All right, well, Pool, Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody. Hey, maybe we trade for a superstar. Or we get someone in in free agency. We're the Warriors now. We got this brand, and that's our team. At you know, three years from now. Also, by the way, Steph Curry is uh, you know probably uh, in the MVP conversation again this year at 034. He's gonna be 35. Like it's just what he's doing and continuing on. Like I think two years ago to believe that Steph was still gonna be at this level that they would have won the championship again. Like they didn't even know when they drafted Kaminga and Moody whether this was gonna be more than like you know a six seed last year. So that there's I will defend them on that a little bit. I know this has been a tangent, but hopefully it's interesting to people. Um, I mean, I guess the bigger question that I I have having been inside an organization john is just is it possible to develop these players the way they need to be developed given their system given the pressures that they have to win now given uh so, the chance of being punched in the face by the hall of fame power forward at any time do you remember clint capella's rookie year in houston because they, they had an awesome team and what they did they sent him down to the g league and they sent him down for like half the year and then they pulled him out late in the year and put him in the rotation as they got late in the season and into the playoffs and he he was ready to go. Like he just he just delivered. And I, I think that's the one thing the Warriors haven't been willing to do is like take a step back with these guys and like yeah. they, they Well, they're doing it now with Wiseman. They're, they're doing it now, exactly. Uh, and you wonder like it's hard too. Like when somebody's the number two pick, you don't send them to the G League, right? But that <laughs> it might have been the best thing for him at the time. Yeah. Well he also he hasn't been healthy, you know, all last year. Like they kind of needed him that first year and he was it seemed like he was progressing for a time until he got hurt and now you know it's just he's got to find his rhythm quote unquote again although as he ever had it it's tough to say but anyway back, back to just golden state overall as an organization they had a fabulous summer last year they won the championship last year they've still deserve credit this is the same group that brought in all these guys to begin with they made investments in the player development that like looked like they're really working until they just all those guys have been terrible this year that's kind of how much are we going to ding them for those guys sucking to start the year basically is the question because if it weren't for that if those guys were just kind of on track they're easily in the top five right well except there's they the year, two James years Wiseman. ago where the same thing happened <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right? So, I I mean, I give them a lot of credit for being able to willing to spend basically whatever. Uh, I mean, they still have the highest payroll in the league. They'll have the highest payroll next yeah. year. And-, and also, this is part of the organization, too, is, like, they're not among the richest ownership groups. Like, they're not just paying out of pocket. Like, they have built up the revenue of this franchise from a business standpoint that they're making enough money that they, and, and they also were willing to, you know, I, I forget what the exact business arrangement is, but they basically got themselves some more cash uh, by leveraging the organization during the pandemic. So they've been willing to do that from a business business standpoint to develop it and have this money to spend where it's not just Steve Ballmer just digging into his pocket for a hundred million bucks every year like the Clippers. Yeah. And then obviously the, you know, the, the Kerr uh, hire, I think it was another situation where a team made a fairly ballsy move to replace a coach who wasn't necessarily failing. Like they had gone to the second round with Mark Jackson. Right. But yep. um, they, they, they still decide to pull the trigger and, and it really worked out. Yeah. So it's hard for me. I don't know if I'm going to have the number five. I want to kind of talk through some of these other guys, but okay. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. 
the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's also, uh, there's no one who's absolutely wowing me below that top four. Is there anyone for you? Who, who else is in this 1B for you? So my my 1B is done. Uh, my 1B was Boston and Memphis. Ah, okay. All right. So that was, so, that was, in, so you had a top three to, and then you're, yeah. Yeah. So now I'm into tier two. All right. Who's at the top of that group for you? Uh, I went with Oklahoma City and it's, it's tough because they're not trying to win games right now, but I do think they played their hand correctly in, in moving on from the, uh, the somewhat overpaid and slightly disappointing uh, Westbrook and George uh, situation. I think Mark Dagnall yeah. was a great hire, much better coach than Billy Donovan. Uh, and I think they're set up for success. My one lingering question about them is, can, can they actually draft? Yeah, we'll see. I, you know, Jang is going to be a really interesting one this year. Jalen Williams, I like. He's been good so far as the, the number 12 overall pick. And Chet, we're just, we're not going to know. But there's, especially with Jabari not playing that well so far, I don't think that that road not traveled is going to haunt them. And, you know, Jaden Ivey, they they are kind of already had Shea at his position. And who else? Matherin. Matherin would be the one. About in, that, yeah. in that range. But yeah, I mean, it, that's one of those ones where it was basically, everyone said that top three. So I'm not going to kill you for not being willing to go outside of that top three. I do think Chet, I had Chet over Jabari. I think that, that's reasonable. So we'll see on that one. Um, you know, Josh Giddy over Kaminga, I think that looks solid so far not over Franz Wagner necessarily but uh yeah Giddy I think you know he's got enough talent that he's saying he's a bad pick there like who would have been their bad picks recently as opposed like they haven't knocked any out of the park but have there been bad ones uh well Poku is looking uh better now um there's this constant like like Jang I think is a perfect example of uh what I call Perry Jones syndrome yeah which has been a thing with them for a while and and it's like just that they that they have kind of this constant uh urge to kind of reach on that toolsy wing and think they could teach him to shoot or develop some skills and it and it never happens uh so um yeah i mean T- terrence ferguson wasn't great terrence ferguson <laughs> was a perfect example um yeah. I, I i think of that i, I liked um, that pick though he just never developed like oh, i liked the I, concept yeah. of him I mean, he, that, that's that's exactly what they do. Like the concept of the guy, but like he was like well, they're the like he was one of the worst players in the Australian league. Like, how good do you think he's going to be? Um, Josh Eustace was a ridiculous yeah. pick. We're going uh, way okay. back a little bit. Yeah, that was that um, was terrible. That Baisley, I think, was another example of like that type of guy. Um, although he's you know given them at times some happily decent minutes. Um, yeah, like I, I don't view him as like a bad pick. You know, Trey Mann, we'll see on him uh, in 2021. They did trade away the pick that became Alperin Shingun. He he might have been nice for them. Uh, Aaron Wiggins, a nice find at number 55. He's like 
a solid rotation player to me. I uh, think he's just he's a guy really who gets minutes through. on a bad team, honestly. But they're not bad though. They're, like like how, they're, they're, he's, they're, he defends, he can shoot okay, he can drive. Like what's what's wrong with him? I I guess I don't know. I, he'll he'll play <laughs> in the league, right? It's at fifty five, right. like that's a yeah. good pick. Okay, like right. I I, okay. I think he's like a low end rotation player. Like he he's okay. he doesn't have any like major weaknesses. I think he defends pretty well. He plays hard. He's athletic. Um. So so anyway, I think like yeah that that. They haven't knocked anything out of the park. They also, if they had just had better luck in 2021, we would be thinking of them differently. And they still have a bunch of picks going forward. Obviously, the Paul George trade was brilliant to get Shea and all those picks going forward and Gallo as well. Uh, the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trade was one of the absolute fleecings. They haven't even started to get that those picks yeah. yet. Um, that's going to complicate things for Houston, who we'll talk about uh, maybe in the next episode, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> could be an episode two team but positive we're going at a slow pace we could we could have some episodes three episode teams, four team maybe. as well um you know they do pretty well on the medical side it seems like there is a i think a little bit of a difference in their philosophy since troy weaver left and it, that might actually be for the better they're not just going with the absolute toolsiest wing players who will never ever be able to shoot Th- this hiring of chip engelin is an is an interesting one as well that hopefully yeah is something that can improve some of the shooting from these guys maybe they're you know giddy poku some of these guys uh, that, that's going to determine a lot for them but i mean like you said the one of the biggest things is the organizational vision to just make these moves when it was difficult to trade favorites on russell westbrook and uh even though he wanted to go it's still it, that's hard to do and i give them credit honestly john for taking their asses off down the end of the last two years when it yep. turned out they were actually better than they thought they would be because Dagnall's a good coach and that some of these players worked out you know i'm not in love with like you know your jalen williams your jeremiah robinson earls necessarily but they're that's a small blemish your teams are always gonna have misses so i, I think and then they've been willing to spend when they've been good as well which is another important yes aspect of this team so I, yeah i think I, I feel pretty comfortable with them in this range i don't know if i'll have them exactly at five but they're, they're probably right there okay who's who's your next team Oof. it gets tough here I mean, right again, there's a lot of right. there's yeah uh, yeah, I mean, there's so ma- there's so few teams to really be like blown away by at this point with just how much turnover there's been. I think Philly's got to be in this list. I just really respect Daryl and and his resume, and I thought they had a really nice off season as well. I thought they did pretty well in the Harden trade. It, ben Simmons is playing a little better, but he's still that was a negative value of contract that they were able to get positive value for. And uh, I think Daryl just has a good understanding of what wins games and what types of players can get you there and i think he does a good job with transactions he's respected throughout the league you know ownership's a little weird but they seem to have given daryl his autonomy they're willing to spend at least some i don't know if they're willing to go like really deep into the tax so I, I they're very leveraged in terms of draft picks right now like they haven't hit on these end of roster guys yet in philly the way they did in houston at times yeah but i, I still i mean you know daryl morey is it's tough to put in below here. I mean, I think he's a top five. Yeah. GM, so, so I had Philadelphia yeah. seventh. So yeah. uh, this this is exact. They were my next team as well. Uh, I think the, you know the Maxi pick was outstanding. Uh, I think the Melton trade was really good value for them. 
you yeah you that, actually back. i'm sorry i shouldn't i shouldn't say that the maxi pick was obviously a massive uh a massive steal at 21 yeah. so yeah i mean they, so they did actually uh you know the, the only one that i really haven't loved is Jaden springer so uh yeah max maxi was an amazing pick yeah thanks mike muscala <laughs> exactly exactly so you know we'll see what happens uh with harden's next contract and how much wink wink was involved in that uh, but I think they're they're probably about as well set up as they could be for a team that's as leveraged as they are and is in clear win now mode. When you look at Harden's age and Embiid's lower extremities, I mean that that's just wh- where they have to be. Probably overpaid on PJ Tucker, especially in terms of the years. But that was the that was the piece that fit. So it was one of those times where maybe overpaying makes sense. And I guess the next hurdle for these guys is going to see wh- what they can do at the trade deadline. Uh, can they somehow turn Tybal and Korkmaz in a you know second well, round pick Tobias or something? Harris too. Tobias Harris is the other piece that's just has never really fit there, and he's an okay yeah. player, but he's overpaid. And yeah, you would hope to just get a few more reinforcements who have got a little more versatility than him. All right, let's do two more teams here. That'll get us to ten. Okay, uh, let's see. So my my next team after Philly was actually Golden State. Um, so so I had five Memphis, six OKC, seven Philly, eight Golden State. Uh, who did you have at nine? Because things got murky for me at this point. Yeah, so Memphis was nine for me. The, and I, I, my tier conveniently ended at 10 as well. Uh, I have two Northwest Division teams to go. And okay. one of those is the Utah Jazz. Okay. I had Utah at 10. Um, I was reluctant to put them higher just because the track record was not as long. Um well, Danny Ainge's track record. Danny Ainge obviously long. has been a yeah, but he's he's working with a different owner. He's in a different situation, so you do, you know. Um, I like the owner though. I, I I I've actually been very impressed by him so far. I was nervous at first because I thought the extensions on Gobert and Mitchell were a little too fanboy, but they uh, they they were able to move them for value. I mean, incredibly yeah. ballsy. For, fortunately, to- uh, fortunately, Tim Conley and uh, yeah. Mark Lore and Alex Rodriguez were uh, among those fanboys, so <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, no harm, no foul, right? And uh, they've, I mean, they've put together. A nice team in what was supposed to be a rebuilding year. This actually could make things more complicated for them. Yeah. And that's one of the dangers. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this next year and in the out years. They did too good of a job on these trades. Exactly. But, I mean, you look at what they got here uh, in terms of... Three firsts from Cleveland, four firsts from Minnesota, three swaps from those two teams. A first from Philly for Royce O'Neal, right? Yeah, yeah, and- yeah. It was, it was Bro- Brooklyn, but yeah, it's, it's the worst of what is it? Brooklyn, Philly, and Houston. Yeah, so it's going to end up being Philly's pick, probably. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and you know, that is just tremendous work there. Um, we'll see how that sex. Lowry Markin is going to probably make the all-star team this year. Yeah, right? Like Ma- Markin, it was a great, like that pickup. Was great identification. Yeah. Trading Beverly for Horton Tucker, I think was a good move and, uh, getting Walker Kessler into that Minnesota trade, I think is, is paying dividends too. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, th- those two trades were really good. Um, you know, we didn't think the Cleveland one was as good at the time because I think people were just viewing marketing as just salary filler throw in. 
Yeah. But because at the time I was like, hey, you know, if I were them, would I have rather had this or a Knicks package with, you know, Quentin Grimes and they weren't willing to go yes. three unprotected picks. You don't know what the picks were, but clearly you would think Knicks picks would have more upside than Cavs picks going forward, given the talent the Cavs already had in the roster. But now that you've got an all-star player in Larry Markkinen, yeah. uh yeah, it actually, there wasn't much that, uh, and I, you know, I don't think Larry Markkinen is going to be someone I'm thinking of as like a top 25 player in the NBA going forward. But I think he's got a decent chance to make the all-star team this year. But the other thing, too, that I think they, you know, the Danny Ainge hire, yes, it's, he's buddies with Ryan Smith. But Ryan Smith, you noted he came in, all right, is he a fanboy? Well, they were maybe ready to win a championship. We thought they were the best regular season team two years ago. Then they had their playoff foibles. It, it didn't work out. And they were willing to pivot. They didn't throw good money after bad. When they had a good team, they were willing to spend into the tax. Not crazy, but as much as you yeah. could hope for in a market like that. Like, they're probably at the point where they're losing a little bit of money, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly because they didn't get deep into the playoffs. And then to just say, hey, no, we're actually going to make the move to Danny Ainge hire. It certainly wasn't a perfect executive in Boston, but you know, one of the best trading records you're ever going to see from any executive in any sport. And he proved that again this year. So, and, and he's still part of this group going forward. So yeah, they do have challenges still, but we think we've seen them in some different modes. And, you know, Justin Zanuck is a good experienced executive below Ainge. Absolutely. Doing some of the day-to-day yeah. stuff. Um, you know, I think they've, they've always had like a great reputation in the community, unlike a few of these teams. So, yeah, I, I mean, this is a rock solid organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had them at eight. Okay. And then my last team in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give yours or should I give mine? No, you get you get you give me yours because I th- I think you might have convinced me to make a couple moves on my board. Okay, okay. Um, the Denver Nuggets are going to close out my top ten and tier two. I think I can buy that. I when I originally made this, I had a little them a little lower, but I think maybe I should have them at ten. Um, Tim Connolly's gone, but there's organizational continuity with Calvin Booth. And I think the kind of the decision-making, the processes there haven't really changed. The one obvious glaring negative is they they just will not spend uh, even into the tax historically. Now they're in the tax this year, but not that far into it. And they're kind of burning through Nikola Jokic's prime, unfortunately, while this happens. So that, that would probably be the big negative. Um, they've drafted well. They've tended to use their free agent money pretty wisely, although they've they've struggled at times to build out a bench, uh, although they're usually doing it with like minimum guys. So it's, you know, it can be a little challenging with that. Uh, but, you know, you look at you look at the the Highland pick. I mean, that's a guy in the 20s who's in his second year and is contributing already. Uh, the Porter pick, obviously. I mean, this is a continuation of the same front office, so I, I kind of still give him credit for that. The Jokic sure. pick, obviously. Um, so overall, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say this is this is a good group. Yeah, the Bruce Braun tying was good. I think the concept of what they did this uh, offseason was good. And they're, they're willing to spend some. They're $11 million into the tax right now. We'll see where they end the year. But it seems unlikely that they'll get out entirely. If you, I mean, let me ask you this, John. Let's throw mm-hmm. out the spending component. Let's mm-hmm. say you just they were willing to spend the way, say, the Milwaukee Bucks were spending in a what's frankly actually a smaller market. Denver is viewed as a small market in NBA terms, and they've had a bunch of issues that have made it so they're not as high a revenue as some other places. But Denver's actually like a totally large sized city by NBA standards, or at least medium sized city. Throw out the spending component. Everything other than that, like they were pretty clearly, if not top five, knocking on the door there. 
right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they do a good job of player development. They did a good job hiring Michael Malone, and they've stood by him. Uh, they have a partner agreement now in the G League. They still don't have their own G League team. Again, this is another like area of like, which would, would you please spend some money? Um, in terms of facilities, they're right down there at the bottom of the league. So yeah. again, this is another <laughs> another area. Uh, so. It's it's a tough thing to separate out, and you wonder like, well, if they did spend that much money, we'd be talking about them. You know, we'd be talking about them like Golden State because they would have won a championship or two. Like, I don't. Yeah, know. I don't know about that, particularly with the injuries. I don't think there's any way they could have done it the last couple of years. But yeah, I mean, they've traded away now a couple of first round picks to save money, and they let a guy that we thought was a really good executive, Tim Connolly, go over money as well. And especially when you consider how good of a drafting team this is, what could those pick? have gotten them you know like they had to get off of kenneth farid back in the day and you know then the, the jamichael green trade like yeah they in theory got a pick back but it was a lot worse and it's way further out yeah but, or, or they had to give up a pick that will and they ended up getting 30 back i think from oklahoma city but they gave Correct. up like yeah. a top five protected pick in 2027 so that's almost certainly going to be uh, a worse pick yes uh, or, or, or or a better pick than what they gave up for the number 30 pick the best they can do is tie on that one. So, uh, yeah. So, so that's the only thing that's kind of disheartening. It, it is a really good organization. Other than that, I don't. I also might put a little something into their whole dispute involving the altitude network and just not being able to be on TV for their fans. The fact that they haven't been able to resolve that for was that going on three years now? Like that's pretty yeah. sad. I don't, I don't know yeah. how much you put on that, but there's just there's a cheapness there with the Cronkies, and it's uh, unfortunate, but that's that still matters. And it's, I think, you know, these guys are always going to win consistently. They've got Jokic. They found Jokic. They deserve a lot of credit for that. They've managed to bring in contributors as well with not a ton of assets, but it does seem like there's just this cap on how how good of an organization they can be due to the spending aspect. I think that's fair. All right. Well, this was fun. We'll see what happens next week, whether we get through day two or we go into a day three or not, but it's just a good chance to talk about these teams, refresh our memories on everything that's happened with them. And I think we're, we'll probably get some pretty controversial ones here in this uh, 11 to 20. This range. next batch is going to get real interesting. Yeah. 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 Although uh, I think people really only tune in for the worst here. <laughs> they just want to hear 29 and 30, right? Yeah, nobody yeah. wants to hear success. I uh, got a lot of crossouts on my 11 through 20 here. Like, I, interesting. I okay. changed my mind a lot, you know? Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Well, this will be fun. And a, a reminder, of course, Seth Partnow now has joined Dunked on Prime. If you're listening on the public feed, please. Yeah, Seth, uh, if you don't know, it was kind of similar story to mine. He was a, a lawyer, professional poker player, and then was self-taught with NBA analytics and knows how to do basically everything that there is to do with that. Uh, was hired by the Milwaukee Bucks for three years, their director of analytics, and uh, now is actually going to be contributing to Dunked on, doing statistical support for me and Danny's work. Uh, with a, a lot of his proprietary stats, uh, but also then it's going to be writing for us a, a couple of times per week uh, on our newsletter, which of course is part of Dunked on Prime. Danny and I also just did a mailbag on our Discord, which is a great basketball community to discuss stuff, uh, all your crazy trade ideas. Feel free to bring them there and discuss with fellow basketball nerds. And of course, you'll get every episode of Hollinger and Duncan on Dunked on Prime as well. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next time. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. 
the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, I teased it yesterday. We are incredibly excited to be adding another awesome creator to the Dunked On universe. Seth Partnow, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine. I uh, I enjoyed the the pause for effect there. Yeah, sadly, it'll probably get edited out when I take out the sound. <laughs> so I just sound silly. Great. Uh, <laughs> and people like to know the behind the scenes process. And uh, that's what I tell myself when I forget to make an edit and people see it. So uh, that's okay. People are not here for the incredible editing. They are here for awesome basketball talk and awesome basketball stats now that you will not be able to get anywhere else. So that's a, a big part of what Seth is going to be doing for us. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, you're going to be doing some writing for us, which is probably what I am most excited about. Uh, I would say it's it's some nuggets for you. Um, I've found over the years since I left the Bucks front office that that there's been a lot of times when I'm just looking at something, messing around, and come up with with an interesting bit of of, of statistical analysis that isn't really worth. Uh, a whole article unto itself. Uh, and I've kind of in the past just sort of shot those out on Twitter, and that's fine. Uh, but it's easy for those just to get lost. I, even when I go back and try to find something I've done previously, for oh, I, 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 I like the visualization or, or I like the stat I did there, it's it's very difficult to find. And, and um, for people who are interested, which I think your audience very much is uh, making sure you just don't miss it. You get the little bite-sized bits, um, you know, a couple times a week, uh, and and I, hopefully that that's the kind of thing that increases understanding and enjoyment. Yeah, Seth. Of course, you still have your full-time job, so <laughs> that's a, a slight limiting factor. So it's not going to be a crazy amount of stuff, but we're proud to have you associated with us in whatever capacity that you want to give us and so these will be part of dan's daily dunks you're always going to have something on mondays right and then a couple times a week one or two times a week uh, outside of that yeah something to uh, hopefully accompany the 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 50 the 15 and 60s um i think you and danny do a do a good job of of contextualizing with some uh some stats as you're you're kind of looking over things and i think uh, giving the listeners a, a bit more of an insight into the kinds of things that that you know teams and, and analysts within teams look at to make those evaluations themselves, I think would be uh, would be very useful. Yeah, so we're we're gonna hopefully get a lot of feedback from y'all as well in the Discord to email us at dunkedonprime at gmail dot com. It's all stuff that you would like to see from Seth and another great aspect of, of what he's doing is that Danny and I are now going to have access to a, a bunch of his stats that use the tracking data. What's some of the unique stuff that you're going to be giving us uh, on a weekly and sometimes daily basis uh, to help our cover? Um, you can build a, a pretty robust 
kind of simple shot quality model uh, uh, based off of the stuff that's that that's getting released by uh, by NBA.com. Obviously, uh, rim protection is a is a big uh, and paint defense is, is always a big topic. Um, Miles Turner is having a pretty monster rim protection season so far. Yes, um, yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, Brooke Lopez is also having his usual um, massive impact in, in that area. Um, there are some stats on, on you know breaking down usage a little bit more. I've, I've described it as either true usage or total usage in the past and just keeping updated on that so you so we can see that, yes, in fact, Luka Doncic has a historically high offensive burden uh, this year. And um, Yeah. Can, can you elaborate just a little bit on, on what total usage is? Because I found that to be the best measure that I've seen to really break down what a, a guy's offensive load is. Well, there's two parts to it, really. Uh, and actually, I actually originally created it in, a, in trying to find a better way to contextualize turnovers. Um, turnover percentage as presented on any stat site is um, playmaking for teammates can only hurt you in turnover percentage because if the pass is completed, it's a nothing. And if it's a turnover, it, it's a, it's a negative. Uh, right. So it's only compared to shots. Yes. It's either yes. shots or turnovers. There's no assist component. Yes. So uh, with the tracking data, we get not just assists where the player happens to make a shot, but potential assists where um, uh, the, the ball handler passes to a player who shoots in as defined in the tracking data uh, in under two seconds and under two dribbles, which is a definition that aligns pretty well with how assists are actually given. Um, there's it, it, There are some assists that are given that... that uh, don't meet that criteria and and some shot some makes that meet that criteria that that aren't given um (laughs) but it's it's a good enough it's a good enough estimate and so that allows us to do playmaking usage on the same scale as as scoring usage okay uh you know 25 percent of our, our team's chances i attempt to shoot the ball um, the league leaders in uh, in uh, playmaking usage, as I call it, will be in the in the in the low to mid twenties usually. So on about one in five offensive chances, they'll be um, creating a a uh, or or at least passing to a shooter. Uh, and then you combine those and you compare the two of those to turnovers and gets you a much better, much truer sense of how much a player is turning the ball over relative to how much they're actually doing on offense. So. Uh, a player who is a, you know, a, a, for example, Draymond Green uh, won't get penalized by having a massive turnover rate, a turnover percentage in traditional terms, because he never shoots. Uh, but since he does a lot of playmaking, it, 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 it balances that out a little bit. Yeah. And I, I always like to look to be with before I have access to the set, which now I will, so I won't have to do this shorthand of just hey you know trey young you had five turnovers tonight you have five turnovers every game oh but the hawks actually turned the ball over the least of any team why is that like you think trey young oh he had five turnovers he had a bad game he's throwing the ball over the gym but if he's the only person on the entire team that turns it over because he makes every play then your overall team turnover rate is low and so this that metric captures it so that's that's just a, a small example let's do a couple more we probably have too many to even get into here that you're going to do and you probably got like 10 or 15 things uh, that you're going to be providing us uh, at least so far that are not available publicly and that are going to really uh, increase our understanding but a couple other ones that we can highlight here uh the one of that that i think is is going to be going up pretty regularly is uh we hear a lot about clutch play and t- how teams do in clutch games and um 
that is important to to team's record, but it's also important to recognize that the definition of of clutch uh, that, that that we tend to use uh, within five minutes, uh, five minutes or less, there's a massive difference between being down five on the road with five minutes left and being up uh, five at home with five minutes left in terms of, I, 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 it's probably, you know, the difference between, I don't have it in front of me, but like 15% and 85% win probability or something like that. So just knowing how teams are entering clutch play can give some context to, uh, you know, uh, how well they're, they're actually performing. If teams are just making late comebacks and, and, and losing games that they didn't really have that much chance of winning, that's useful to know versus a team like, I don't know, last year's Celtics that that pretty routinely punted away games from, from uh, high win probability positions. Uh, and I say the Celtics because in the, uh, the tracking data era, uh, they appear to be among teams that were not blatantly tanking by some margin the uh, worst clutch team relative to their sort of overall level of play. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fascinating. And, and I'm looking forward to getting into some more stuff uh, on that. In fact, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Don't worry. We, we're not just going to make this a preview. We're also going to talk a little basketball today. All right, give me one more that we can look forward to here. Uh, another thing that I like to look at is we hear a lot about three-point percentage. Well, knowing more with the tracking data, we can start to break threes down and actually know a little bit about uh, you know what whether the threes a team is giving up is open, are open, uh, whether they're, they're contested, whether players that are taking the threes are are good or bad shooters, whether the, the threes they are getting are by good or bad shooters. Um, I have a number of different ways to look at that. For example, uh, I have a shooter, an average shooter quality metric, which basically looking at the uh, career percentages on uncontested threes that a player has taken gives you a decent um, idea of of how good a shooter he is. Um, a lot of players even that don't have awesome three-point percentages because they're taking a lot of contested ones. Well, Michael Porter Jr., I think might be the only player with significant attempts in the database. I have to look and see what Seth Curry has done in his last couple of games, who's made over half of his uncontested threes. So obviously that that means leaving him open is very bad. Um, <laughs> and, and conversely, him getting shots means that those those looks are higher value for for the Nuggets than you know than you know just random three point attempt. Uh, and so looking at you know weighting those by attempts um, to see actually no the the Lakers can't shoot because the their players who are taking their shots have have not been good shooters over the course of their career. Um, that, that that one's fairly obvious, but um, I think there's a, a lot of ways to, to dig into that on both a you know season season segment and game by game basis, uh, especially in the playoffs. Um, I think one of, there's there's kind of a myth that teams quote leave the right guys open. Uh, that's not really a thing in the regular season. Um, I think it probably is a little bit more within a playoff hey. series when you can you know, scheme for preferred actions and really dive, d- dial in on which players you're not helping off of and which players you're helping off freely. No, all that's really exciting too. I, I talk a lot about jump shooters, not all being made equal, not all three-pointers are, are made equal. And you say, oh, this guy's a good shooter. Okay, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that, all right, we get this guy wide open with his feet set, he's going to hit 40%. Do we mean that he's got a lot of versatility to his jumper? You know, what's he hitting on contested versus un- uncontested shots? And now having a way to quantify that 
is really exciting for me as well. Uh, so let's talk a little basketball here. Yeah. You've been putting all this stuff together over the last couple of days. What are some things that have just stood out to you about uh, our early season league here? Uh, the Kings are good, or at least they certainly appear to be. I mean, they're there as like of- the beam. Sorry, I, I I say that in a Chicago accent just because I don't know I I don't know what a Sacramento accent is. Sacramento I think is pretty much accentless. If anyone from Sacramento wants to tell me differently, I, li- living in the Bay, I've never experienced a Sacramento accent. There isn't really a Bay accent either. Come to think of it, but uh, yeah. So I, I'll just do the uh, Sacramento Kings, Chicago Bears <laughs> super fan when I say light the beam from now on, and sure. until someone wants to disabuse me of it. So, they, I mean, they, obviously they are, um, as of this morning, uh, their win and the Celtics lost last night, they are the, they are the number one offense in the league. Um, I think they've actually been a little, their, their defense is, is in the 20s somewhere. I think they've been a little unlucky. Their their shot profile is actually pretty decent. They allow by some margin, uh, the last I looked, the fewest on our, on our, on our per 100 basis the fewest uncontested threes in the league uh mm. they've and they've been really unlucky into uh, unlucky but they've the luck in terms of, of shot making is is a uh is always a fraught term because the, the ball yeah. their, their skill to the ball going in or not but still the, they, they've they, also played the warriors three times yeah. in their uh what is it 17 games yeah so they're so, they, 15 games three yeah. times in 15 games so 20 yeah. percent of their sample is made up of, of warriors that's that's a good reason to expect your uh opponents shooting to read yeah they're, and they're in the mid 40s in terms of opponents hitting uncontested threes now the, with league wow. average is around 38 percent. now that's i mean that's a that's you know we're, we're getting up close to you know a couple points a game there which is might not sound like much but that's you know that over the course of a season, like two points is about five wins. Two points per game is about five wins. So that that you know that normalizing um, probably brings their defense closer to I would say probably closer to average, maybe slightly below instead of you know bottom five ish. Wow. Yeah. If they can continue to do what they're doing offensively and even be competent uh, on defense, the drought may end. Although I, I mean, can I really say I'm I'm rooting for that? I I really have been enjoying the jokes. <laughs> All good things must come to an end, though I, I suppose. And this, and it's also actually being on the West Coast. The Kings are often one of the last games that I'm watching, so it's good to see them actually be competent. The crowd has been fantastic there as well. What else you got? Um, the Bulls are 0 and 7 in the clutch this year, um, which is funny because after you know Demar Derozan had one of the the, the really great clutch seasons last year. If you look at uh, uh, our, my friend Mike Bowie ha- of, of Unpredictable has a, a win probability added metric, which basically looks at, you know, okay, this shot goes in, you've added, you know, say you're you're down two at the buzzer and you take a three, uh, that shot goes in, is, it adds like 70% win probability. Um, probably more than that, actually. But still, uh, um, looking at that over the last couple seasons, um, DeRozan last year had had one of the most impactful of the last two decades. I want to say I think Dame uh, two years ago and Westbrook during his MVP season were kind of the two comparable ones I found. But that's all of which is to say that those things tend to be fleeting. Uh, although Dame has a long track record of, of doing it, <laughs> um, and so it's kind of flipped around this year. And they're zero and seven in the clutch, and they're probably. Even accounting for how they've gotten to the clutch, uh, they they probably should have two or three more wins. Now, there's still I, I think there's still some structural issues there, but I wonder how different people feel about them if they're you know if they're eight and nine 
or nine and eight rather than seven and ten and just how those little things kind of uh kind of make a difference no that that's really fascinating and by the way another nugget that i i noted this is not from you is the uh the phoenix suns had one of the great clutch seasons last year they're one in four in uh clutch game so far so yeah it really is yeah we'll get into it a lot because you're compiling this data i'm sure of just how sustainable clutch play is from year to year generally it seems like it hasn't been maybe there are some exceptions uh in either direction you know you could be a bad clutch team from year to year as well particularly if you have uh certain styles of plays and certain players who uh, are consistent from year to year that can be a little bit of a, a tease for what you're doing going forward another thing i've been really interested in in one of the numbers that you're creating for us is contested finishing percentage which i think is really interesting right all right if you get out on the fast break and you just get a wide open dunk you know that we're not interested in that really like that's it's important to know that you're doing that but that doesn't really get into like how good of a finisher are you that you could do a windmill on a fast break so that's another stat that you really uh, put out there that i'm excited to dive into and so that'll that'll be the field goal percentage on shots from 10 feet or less with the closest defender within four feet uh so that's room attempts maybe a little bit of floater range as well which will be pretty interesting so i'm excited to dive into that one i'm sure we'll use a, a lot of that in the 15 and 60 as well all right give me one more nugget here on uh what's going on in um i was just i was sticking out to you. Uh, oh one of the things that you've you've constantly you've, you've asked about is the rim protection and i was messing around with it and it yeah. it it, it uh for all the concern about the the kind of indifferent offensive start to the season uh, and kind of the overall team wobbliness of of the Timberwolves, um, one thing that 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 uh, Jaden McDaniel's is doing is providing a lot of value as a sort of a, a, a wing like help weak side helper. Um, hmm. uh, I was was go, going through those numbers today, and and he's actually uh, been been. You know, relative to certain to, to forwards, and he's obviously playing forward, not center, uh, <laughs> on the Timberwolves, given who they have in in the middle. Um, he's actually he's provided a, a lot of value there. So that's that one one of their theories of that starting lineup is bearing out, even if many of the others aren't so far. Yeah, that's uh, pretty interesting, and you know, I, I wonder what they're gonna do with that team and how it's all fitting together but that's i mean i think he kind of developed that skill some because you know if you saw him as a prospect you weren't exactly impressed by you know, his amazing help defense but he kind of developed that last year when they're playing this scheme where carl anthony towns is way out on the floor in pick and roll defense and so he had to be a lot of times in a lot of their lineups a secondary room protector so knowing that he has that skill and so and again since you've worked with the team these are really interesting stats to know because when you're building your lineup right to know our jane mcdaniels maybe he could do more as a room protector maybe we can put him in that role schematically the the times that he's been there that's been something that we have been able to do so that's that's another thing that's really exciting about what you're doing is you know you've been in the trenches trying to come up with stuff make recommendations you know one of the things that we want you to do even is kind of just do brief updates on some teams like pretend like you're their analytics guy sending a report to the gm on hey here's how we're doing here's what's going to sustain here's what's not going to sustain so that that's something you're going to be doing on occasion as well so we're uh incredibly excited to have you seth this has been fantastic and uh oh by the way uh chris paul is shooting uh 28 at the rim on uh contested finishes it's not it's not great it's not great <laughs>
So I, but, yeah. but before leaving, it is it is a combination that that stat is is a little bit limited by what data is public, but I think it does it sort of captures both not finishing at the rim well and not getting to the rim in the first place, especially right, penetrating right. guards who end up shooting a lot of floaters. I think that's frankly a, a limitation of 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 some players if they're if they can't get to the rim anymore. I think that's a, a useful thing to look at. Yeah, uh, Killian Hayes, eighteen games, twenty two point nine percent. It's not good. Contested finishing <laughs> at the rim. Uh, yeah, some of these low ones are really interesting. Uh, some of the high ones are pretty interesting too. We'll uh, of course get into these a lot more. All right, man, this is this is really fun. We're looking forward to doing stuff. Please jump in the Discord, send some emails as well. Dunkdownprime at gmail.com stuff you would like to see from Seth. Acknowledging that his time is limited because he does also have a full time job as well. But we're really proud to have you on, my friend, and we're looking forward to doing some really interesting work. I uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, get the band back together a little bit. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.